Good morning. Am I loud enough? Okay, I have the capacity to be really loud in my own right, so ask my family. I get accused of being very loud in everything I do. I don't know if any of you are like that, (laughs) where people say you are so loud, but um, I hope that you all had a really good week this week. Um, It's kind of nice to have fall being here, kind of. Not being 90 degrees, that's a good thing, right? (laughs) Um, I think we all are ready for a new season for sure. Um, I just wanted to open up in prayer this morning. Oh, my mask, sorry. Hang on, pause. I forgot I had it on. How can I forget I have this thing on? I don't know. I wear this all day at work, every day, and I think I have to say I've gotten used to it even though I don't like it. And then I forget I have it on, so I apologize. Let's pray together as we start today. Oh, Father, we thank and praise you for your love and your goodness. Thank you, God, for how you are at work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you. And Lord, I just ask that as we enter another season of life in in our church, in our families, in our world, oh, God, that, that we would just watch for how you're at work Lord, I pray for an extra measure of strength as we keep our eyes fixed on you no matter what is happening in our world. And Lord, thank you for the promise of new life in you and the kingdom that is here and the kingdom that is to come. So Lord, I just pray for everybody here um, at church and who's watching today, and I pray, God, that you'd encourage them, that you'd fill them with hope, and that you would remind them that you are in control of all things. And we pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, So we're going to be finishing up our series on King Hezekiah um, and on learning about him. Um, A couple years ago, I I have a friend who's a psychologist, and she gave me the suggestion of a really good book. And and it was kind of funny because I thought about this as a therapist. I would never recommend this book to somebody who had a phobia of sickness because this book might put them over the edge. But the book was called The Demon Under the Microscope. Um, It was fascinating. And it was basically a history of of disease and illness from the earliest recording of disease and illness up until like most, well, it didn't include COVID because it was written before that. But anyway, it was, it was a fascinating book, and if you don't have any anxieties about illness or anything, you should read it, because it would, I think it would give you a lot to think about, but it, it really got me thinking about how, um, how we have looked at sickness and illness throughout our time. Um, many, for many, many years, people thought that sickness and, and illness um, was a demonic presence, and that's, that could be true in some cases, but it's not always true. And this, um, this book was based on the premise of the doctor who discovered sulfa, which really led to the beginnings of antibiotics and changed you know, everything for how we treat um, bacterial infections. It was fascinating. But in the midst of his story, this um, German doctor named, um, I can never say his name, it's Demog, De but he was a um, surgeon in World War I and World War II and also a scientist for the Bayer Company. And, and when you think of Bayer, we think of Bayer aspirin, right? But Bayer was also a chemical pharmaceutical company in Germany. And it was in his discovery of working with certain dyes that they discovered sulfa. And they discovered how it had a capacity to invade cells. And a lot of this is beyond my ability to explain. But 
if you're curious about it, read it. It was fascinating. And it also gave a, a bigger picture of how we have, as human beings, have responded to sickness and illness throughout all of you know, recorded history. And it, it just reminded me of one thing, though, how, how in, in so many ways, um, as we look to God, how God is the, he has the final beginning and end of all things, and he has given human beings the capacity to be inventive, creative, and curious. And so God is working in ways and giving people ideas, even how we think of how we're responding to COVID. And you think about all the um, wonderful brain power that has been working before this and, and working in it to help people have you know quality of life and to defeat illness. But I keep thinking about the, the, the person in the most in control, and that's Jesus Christ who came to defeat sin, death, and the devil. And so that is where I come to you today to offer you hope. And we are going to do that through the story of King Hezekiah. Um, Tony, if you can recap us, starting at slide one. Um, each week, we've been reminded of some true things, and the first true thing is this, that Jesus said, in this world, you ha- will have trouble. Not you might have trouble. You will have trouble. He didn't say, um, it's always going to be rosy and wonderful. But he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Um, what I want to remind you of is something also that Jesus says, it's not in, sorry, Matthew chapter 6, if you got your Bibles. This might be some Bible Olympics today, friends. Get your thumbs ready, whether you've got your physical Bible or your Bible app. But in Matthew chapter 6, starting with 25, 34, Jesus is talking about worry. And he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell them that not even Solomon, all of his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so as we come with that wonderful reminder from Jesus, um, I also come to knowing that we have had a lot in our, in our world lately that gives us worry for today and tomorrow. And so this is the first place we start is Jesus saying, do not worry, first of all. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about clothing, food, all that, even though we, he knows we need it. And trust him for today and tomorrow, which is where we come to as we think of the story of King Hezekiah. Next slide. So this is, this is a question that's a real true question, and I, I do hope and pray this is um, helpful for you today. 
I pray that this is not triggering for you in church if, if you are somebody that struggles with, with um, illness and worry about sickness. But I think this is a really good question to, to wonder about what rattles your cage when it comes to our, our illness and sicknesses that we have or even our overall wellness. Um, what things really get you going? Um, I know as a little girl, I, I had one, one memory um, in general where my sister and I both got sick at the same time and our grandma was home with us and it was just awful. And, um, and my sister and I both talked about that and she said later on that um, she couldn't eat a certain food the rest of her life because of what happened at that time when we were with our grandma. And I know that sometimes we can have early experiences in life where sickness or something that happens to us and it can impact us our whole lives. Um, I know as a therapist, I often um, sit with people who are really, really fearful of sickness and illness, and, and it's a real phobia. Um, this past year during COVID, I sat with many people who told me their fear of, of death, and they had never admitted their fear of death, and they told me one of their biggest fears was dying alone because of what was going on with COVID. And so I think this past year, I think what has rattled our cages the most is that we have had to finally, if we've never wanted to to think about or acknowledge our fear of death, it has really come to light, and, and especially for children, young, old, everybody. And I think it's an important conversation that we have and that we keep looking to them. What does God say about this? Next slide. So thinking about what do we do then when the things of life, including our, our wellness and illness, rattle us, and how does it impact us emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually? And that's kind of the... Um, the activity with our children that, that we're doing today is how do I think, what do I feel, and then what do I do with those worries? Next slide. We've been studying the life of King Hezekiah this past, past month. Um, we've been formally in Second Kings 18 to 19, Second Chronicles and Isaiah, and today we will be in Second Kings chapter 20. Next slide. And reminder of who was King Hezekiah, he was the king of Judah, he was the son of Ahaz. He became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned for 29 years. Um, king Hezekiah also is, is rated in the Bible as like 10 stars out of 10, meaning like best of the best of all the kings, even better than King David. Um, he was an exceptional leader, but he, he first of all was a, a man who loved God, and he brought his, his people back to loving God and serving God in so many ways, and then he was just a really courageous leader. And we've talked about security, and we've talked about um, how we find our security in him, and King Hezekiah is a great example of that, which is why we talked about him this past month. Next slide. Um, some other things about King Hezekiah is the prophet Isaiah advised him, Assyria harassed him, and God helped him. And so um, if, you, if you're ever curious and you want to look up like images and timelines of, of this span of history, it's fascinating. It's a, it's a really good story. Um, and today we're going to be talking about how God specifically helped him with his health. Next slide. So thinking about this, our physical security, how do we perceive the wellness around us and in us? I know this past week I have been hit with allergies. Um, it's that time of year, and every year allergies hit me like this, but I think right now, I'll be really honest with you, um, because of what we're dealing with with COVID, um, the minute like my allergies trigger up, I, I have to say I was freaking out a little bit this week. I had to take two COVID tests just to go to work to prove I didn't have it. Um, slight colds or, or normative things that happen to us, we are all hyper alert right now. And it's, I think it's just this good reminder, um, even for me this week, is 
My security is in the Lord. My life is in the Lord. My health is in the Lord. And I can do everything I can do, but at the end of the day, I have to keep trusting him. And that could be the end of the sermon right there and then. Trust God. And it's something as a discipline we have to practice and we have to, we have to keep at. And, and he will help us. But I think we also have to do our part is to say, I will actively trust God. So thinking about what is it and why is it important it's because we are whole beings. We are mind, body, and soul, and we can't separate and cut certain parts off from another. We, it's, an, it's a full package that God has given to us, and that is why our physical security is just as important as our mental and emotional security. Next slide. Um, I've reminded that about the last couple Sundays, but the World Health Organization, not the band, the WHO, says that security is a prerequisite for health. And so knowing that our, hang on, knowing that our security is, um, is found in the Lord is really the best prerequisite that we can have for health. I'm sorry, Jamie, I'm like messing up this microphone. Hang on, friends. I don't think I'm really qualified to wear a microphone. I'm just going to say that. Okay, I think we're better now. I found the thing, Jamie. It was on the floor. Okay. So anyway, reminded of this, that um, feeling secure is also a prerequisite for our health. And so that's something to just anchor in on this week is if there are times where you, you feel insecure about your health, go back to who is the one who ultimately gives us security no matter what. Next slide. Um, this is just another recap of security. It looks and feels like stable, safe, protected, consistent, happy, and loved. And the Hebrew words avtacha is the objective physical security measure, while bitachan refers to subjective. So there's a physical sense of security and actually an emotional sense of security. Next slide. So this is the story that we come to today is that King Hezekiah faced a life-threatening illness. And, and one thing that's interesting is how the Bible presents chronology is that um, it seems that about, at about 700 B.C., 701 B.C., um, this is when two really important things happened. Sennacherib invited, in, invited. Sennacherib invaded Judah, took these fortified cities, came knocking on King Hezekiah's door at Jerusalem. They were sieged, shut up. Um, the Assyrians practiced brilliant warfare of siege warfare where they would basically wait it out and they would scare people and then, and then the city would fold and they would come invade and then they'd ship people out to um, other places that they were colonizing and, and it was a, um, a brilliant form of warfare because it terrified people. And so King Hezekiah, um, the year before he got sick, he was faced with Sennacherib in, invading Judah, knocking on Jerusalem's door. God tells him to stand firm, stand fast, to trust him, and then Sennacherib gets distracted by another threat, leaves, and then um, his army is unexplainably killed by some plague. They don't really know what happened, but thousands and thousands of soldiers were dead, and then they, they left, and they left Jerusalem alone. So a year later, um, in chapter 20, so we're in 2 Kings chapter 20 right now, it says that King Hezekiah became ill, and he was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. 
Now, as I was looking in a couple commentaries this week, one, one commentator said, you know, this is one of those ones where, um, you know, doctors and all kinds of people who have, have had the unpleasant task of, of talking to somebody about their mortality or informing somebody of like a life-threatening illness or something terrible like this. So it's like, you know, should Isaiah have like sugarcoated that a little bit more? Or should he said it, you know, a little bit differently? He was pretty blunt. He said, get your house in order, get your life figured out because you're not going to get better, you're not going to recover. Um, and it was interesting, too, because as um, I was reading more, they, they speculate that he had, it says he had a boil on his neck, which we'll read about, but it was really probably a staph or a strep infection, which we know um, can kill people. Um, and that's where the discovery of sulfa was so amazing because it was able to treat and go right to the infection and isolate it. Um, ironically, too, they called boils carbuncles, Fun fact, I learned that word this week. Um, I thought like a carbuncle made me think of like a barnacle on a boat, but it's actually like a boil of some kind. And so that's what a lot of people think that he had. It says that his response in chapter 2, verse 20, he turned his face to the wall. I'm sure he cried. He had an emotional reaction. He prayed to the Lord. And this is what he said. He said, remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and I have done what is good in your eyes. And he wept bitterly. You know, as we pause here, we think about how he, he's saying, God, I've walked with you. I've given you my whole being. I've done what is good. I'm not ready to die. This isn't my time yet. And he pours out his heart to the Lord. We don't know all the other things he said, but it's, it's pretty emotional. And I don't know if you've ever had something happen to you where, where you've had that conversation with God. You're like, Lord, I'm not ready for this. This is, not, this is not how I thought it was going to go. And this is what's happening with um, Hezekiah. And it says, before Isaiah had left the middle court, so Isaiah gives him this really hard word, he leaves, the word of the Lord came back to him. And he says, go back, tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. So we have this, this incredible moment, too, where God says, go tell him his time hasn't come yet. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, did God change his mind? Or, you know, does, did that, did, what did his prayer do? We don't know. But it, it shows that, first of all, that Isaiah, he didn't get mad, or Hezekiah didn't get mad. It says he, he just turned to the Lord. He poured his heart out to the Lord. And, and whatever happened in his prayer, God, God gave Isaiah another word and said, go back and, and tell him it's not done yet. And it's really beautiful, too, because he says, and I will heal you. And he says, on the third day, which is also um, a precursor to the resurrection, when Jesus Christ, on the third day, he will rise again. But he says, on the third day, from now, you will go up to the temple, Lord. You will go back and you will worship, which is beautiful too. So then Isaiah said, then this is where the, the cool thing when we think about our, our medical um, abilities, then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. And so they, they concoct some mixture and they go and they stick it on the boil, on the infection, and he recovered. So God also gave Isaiah some wisdom on how to treat this illness and, and what to do. And then Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? He still wanted to know for sure that God was going to do something. 
and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day, like saying, how do I know that God is really um, in this and I can trust him? Which is a really bold thing, I think, for us to do is to test God and say, God, show me a sign. And he's saying, God, show me a sign. And Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? And Hezekiah says, well, it's a simple matter, matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps because we know that as the sun moves, you know, as we move around the sun, that the shadow does move. But he says, have it go back 10 steps. And then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. And so God, God is, is um, he delivers on that sign, and Hezekiah has this powerful sign and we see this beautiful thing of what God does. And he does. He gets 10, 15 more years. It says he died around the age, I think it was 54 or 57. And, and also that um, there was more that happened. If you read on in verse 12, at that time, Marduk Baladan, son of the Baladan king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of Hezekiah's illness. Pretty much the word got out that Hezekiah was dying on his last leg. And Hezekiah received the envoys, and he showed them all that was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine oil, everything, in a way he was kind of bragging. His armory, everything, there was nothing in his palace or in his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show him. I'm sure that Hezekiah was excited that he was still alive, that he could still say, yep, this is still mine, this is my kingdom, look at all that God has done for me. And this is interesting because Isaiah the prophet goes to King Hezekiah and he asks, what did those men say and where did they come from? And he says, from a distant land, they came from Babylon. And the prophet said, what did they see in your palace? He goes, I showed them everything in my palace. There's nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to King Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away as well. And they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And this is a funny part. I, I thought about this. I'm like, Hezekiah, instead of being like, oh, no, he goes, oh. That's a, good, that's a good word. What you've spoken is good. And he says, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? So he's, he's thinking about himself, not about like, oh my goodness, some terrible things are coming to my people. And it says, for all the other events of Hezekiah's reign, all his achievements and how he made the pool and the tunnel by which he brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah rested with his ancestors, and Manasseh, his son, succeeded him as king. Another interesting thing that we, we should think about, too, is that when um, scholars note that when Hezekiah got sick, he had not yet produced an heir to his throne. And so that was also part of God's plan, that there would be another king that would be succeeding that line of the kings of Israel and Judah, and that God gave him more time also to produce a son even though his son turned out bad and then repented and turned back. But that was, another, that was another point of, you know, God has a plan and we have to trust his plan even though we can't see the whole plan. Um, it's also important to think of how Hezekiah, a um, hundred years later, yes, his descendants were taken off into Babylon. All those things came true and so God knows what's going on. And that's another powerful reminder of this story that God knows the story and it's our part to live the story and to trust him even if we can't see um, the full thing. Um, next slide, please, Tony. So in those moments, you know, we think about what was King, what was Hezekiah the most afraid of in regards to his health? He was afraid of death. 
You know, um, there's this verse in the Bible in um, Ecclesiastes where it talks about our, um, that God has set eternity in the hearts of all people. And I think that's really important as for us to think about where Hezekiah was at because we can't imagine tomorrow not going on. We can't imagine not living. We can't imagine things not happening in our lives. And I think that's the biggest thing that rattles us is about sickness is it's death. It's the uncertainty. It's the unknown. And we're all going to have to, we're all going to have to face that at one point or another in our lives if we already haven't. And I just want to sit with you for a moment and say, what fears do you currently have about your health? Have you ever, you know, given those to the Lord, just like how Ezekiah turned his face to the wall and he, he poured out his heart and he told God how it was? Have you done that? You know, you may be young, you may be middle, you may be old, but what fears have you had or do you have currently about your health? And can you give them to the Lord? Next slide. Um, some of the biggest takeaways from this story that I, I want to encourage you with, I don't want this to be a big downer as we think about sickness because nobody likes to think about that. Like, you know, I, I know like that's not my favorite thing to talk about or think about. It's probably my least favorite thing. And ironically, in the last two years, it's probably the thing that we're confronted with day. And like, I can't even watch the news without like 10 stories about who died of COVID that day hit me. And, and it's like, I just turn off because I can't take anymore. I'm sure that you're all feeling like that too. But I think the biggest takeaway is for us that we can, we can really be encouraged with right now and faced with what, is, what does God say and what is true is, first of all, the importance of prayer. That we come to God with everything and we pray and we pray and we pray. And we pray specifically, we pray honestly. We give God all of our biggest fears, even the things that we're afraid to say out loud. I mean, he knows it anyway because he knows us inside and out. The second one is Hezekiah's boldness in asking God for what he needed. You know, we can come before God boldly and, and tell him the things that are important to us and God can handle it and God will do something about it. I think it's also important to think about medical intervention is also an answer to prayer. You know, there's this, this wonderful part of the story where God says to Isaiah the prophet, go boil up some figs and s stick it on the spot. And, and so God has also given us this beautiful gift of people in our community that have um, been given knowledge and, and ability to practice. And so just thanking God for our medical professionals and, and the people that are trying so hard to help us be well and healthy. Um, and that's also an important part of this. And I think Isaiah's honesty, even when it was tough, you know, you think about the, the person that has to be the, the bearer of bad news at times, but the courage that Isaiah had to go tell Hezekiah the truth, and, and he did get his house in order. Whatever was not in order in his life, God, God did through Isaiah to Hezekiah. And the biggest outcome was Hezekiah learned to trust God even more. Next slide. Oops, that's not right. You think about how the year before, um, God had proven himself to, to Hezekiah, which caught me, you know, thinking that this invasion of the Assyrians had happened a year before he got sick. And I keep thinking about how we have things happen in our life, and, and I would love to hear all of your stories at some point of where have the foundational times come for you where you're like, I can trust God because he proved himself a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And think about how this invasion happened a year earlier, which told Hezekiah, I can trust God even more. And so today I want you to be thinking about how can you trust God even more based on all the ways that you have already seen him show up in your life before, before whatever is going on right now for you in this moment. Next slide. Um, kind of goes back to what we were talking about with our children. 
um, how we think and how we feel and what we do. In our way of thinking, I hope that you can um, reorient it if this is maybe where you're not at today, is that God knows about you. You can even like think that to yourself. God knows about me. And, and maybe to check in with those deep-seated beliefs of am I, in, am I secure? And to be reminded that I am not alone. We are not alone. And then that will, that will show up and then what do I do and how do I act and can I actively trust God with all of my life? And I think that's where, you know, I want to encourage you today is can you trust God with every single part of your life? And I feel like sometimes we like to compartmentalize and we're like, nope, God, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let you have this part here or I'm going to have you just this part here. But right now is say, can I give God all of it and can I trust him with all of it? And next slide. Um, and, and this is where we're going to be coming to our communion table a little bit. But I want you to be thinking about, um, I know last week I had given you the keep calm and carry on sign that England had. Um, that was their thing that they, you know, invented during World War II, which is really encouraging their people. But this week, keep calm and pray. And what can we do this week? Can we trust Jesus? Can I say, I trust you, Jesus, even if I don't feel it, and that's where you have to keep coming back to him and maybe just having a simple word of, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Secondly, pray specifically for those experiencing disease and uncertainty about their health. I'm sure that we all know people in our, in our immediate circles right now that are going through this. I encourage you to pray for the nurses, doctors, and healthcare workers in our nation right now. Um, as a therapist, I care for a lot of people, and, and we are all under a lot of stress right now. And so I'm just praying that the body of Christ will show up and will minister to people that are caring for other people so that we can all bear each other's burdens and lift each other up. And so if you know any medical, uh, I know we have medical professionals in our own community, but pray for them. Pray specifically for them and that God will give them what they need and that God will, will show up in their lives and, and help them just as much. Lift up our children to Jesus as they navigate their own perception of health and wellness. I know that in the last two years, our own children have had, have had awareness of um, death and illness in ways that they never have, which has produced so many um, just cases of anxiety in our children and fear. And, and we want to um, encourage our children and empower them and, and help them and point them to the Lord. And that really comes from just how we, how we speak and what we do and how we pray. Um, have your children make lists at night of who they are going to pray for and, and pray um, and n intercede for. Um, be prepared for God to bring someone into your life that will need to hear some good news about the security we have here and the life to come. And that's where we come to our communion table today, and, and I want you just to be reminded of um, the fact that as we come to this table, we're reminded that when Jesus died on the cross, that he, he died to say something about sin, death, and the devil. He came to defeat all of those things that, that hold us back and keep us in fear. And so when we come to the communion table, we come um, boldly and with confidence because Jesus has had the final word on sin, death, and the devil. And I want to encourage you with that today. Um, especially if you may, um, I don't know what, what your week has been or where... Um, where this finds you, but to know that we can have our confidence come from him and that is such a good place to be. As we come to the table, I want you to be reminded that we have open communion here at New City and that children are welcome through their parents' discernment. If, if um, this morning the, 
I get the Uversion app, and this morning on my Uversion app, first of all, I had the delight of N.T. Wright being the um, Uversion speaker this morning. But the word of the day today on the Uversion app was, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's in Romans 10, 11, and 12. And that was such a good reminder of, uh, first of all, that is where our salvation lies in Jesus Christ and in his lordship and the fact that he lived and he died and he rose again. But also it's so simple as to say, you're welcome at this table if you have said yes to Jesus. You're welcome at this table if you've said, I believe that you are the only one who can save me and that my, my only way to get to heaven and, and be secure is through you. That's as simple as that. That is, that is all you need. So as I invite you to the communion table this morning, I wanna remind you it's our sacred privilege to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. All of us who humbly put our trust in Christ and desire his help that they may lead a holy life. All that are truly sorry for their sins and would be delivered from them. All that walk in love with their neighbors and intend to live a new life, following the commandment of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways, you are invited to draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust in him to share the feast which he has prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him. Today, I, I invite you to come to the sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciple. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of his mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek his presence and pray for his spirit. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Oh, Father, we thank and praise you that you love us, that you know us, and that you are with us. Thank you, God, for the grace that you give us, and, and Lord, that you don't make it hard for us to come to you. All we have to do is just say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sin, you rose from the dead, and you have the ability to forgive me and raise me to new life with you again someday. Lord, I pray for everyone here, and and Lord, that no matter where we're at today, that we find our unity and our commonality in you and in what you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that what you've done for us is enough, that your sacrifice and that your death and, and raising from the dead is enough. And so, Lord, if anybody here is doubting that today, God, just remind them what is true and their security that comes from you. And thank and praise you, Jesus. Amen. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. If I can get the bread off. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This is the cup of my new covenant, of the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For often as you drink this, drink this cup and eat this bread, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Bless, O God, this bread which we together eat and this cup which we together drink. Let us through this blessed bread and this blessed cup become partakers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Unite us with one another and with all your saints and in heaven and on earth. Consecrate us body and soul to be a living, acceptable offering to you, so that in word and deed we may continually praise and glorify your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are of one body become one with this bread. In the cup that we bless, it is not a participation in the blood of Christ. Um, this morning, as you come as you come forward, and we'll just have um, Joe and Sandy on that side. You, your side can start, and then come up on the next side. But what you'll do is um, you'll come up and you'll take this, and then when you get back to your seat, um, we will take them together, and you just have to peel off the top and get the bread, and then peel off the bottom, and then you get the the cup, and we'll take them together. Um, come, everything is ready. <laughs>